Hi, and welcome to Bloody Good Reads, the uh, interview uh, podcast here at Snakebite Horror. I'm your host, Mark Goddard. Uh, you will know me from the Snakebite Horrorcast and the Franchise Players podcast. So again, we have another amazing guest on the podcast this week. She is the author of Pendle Curse, uh, the nemesis of the Gods series, and her brand new book, The Milan Witch. Am I getting that right, Catherine? I think so. <laughs> I'm not really sure myself. Um, <laughs> I pronounce it the Malin Witch, but who knows? You know. <laughs> we'll, we'll say Malin Witch. Here we go. Malin. Yeah, Mal- uh, Malin. Malin, not melon. That's not different, different witch altogether. No. <laughs> <laughs> the melon witch. Um, you can hear her right now. It's our uh, our guest this week. It's Catherine Cavendish. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Mark. Hello, everybody, and I'm Cat. Hello. Okay. Call me Catherine, and I'll think I'm back at school and I've been naughty. Fair enough. We're we'll called a cat. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> it's lovely no to be here. So, so um, here on on the uh, bloody reads we. Uh, my aim here is to meet and chat to brand new authors and uh, I've never spoken to previously and uh, to get to know a little bit about you and your career. You've, you've got a lot of books out, <laughs> so you've had a, um, had a nice long career here. So <laughs> so I'm going to start the podcast like I normally do and I'm mm-hmm. going to ask, how did you get into horror? What is your history of horror? And uh, yeah, we'll start from there. Right. Are you sitting comfortably? <laughs> it's a long story. <laughs> I'll cut it very short. Um <laughs> It all stems from my childhood, uh, which is a, a long time ago now. And um, these sort of books and stories I was reading then, and one of the very first stories I remember reading that frightened the life out of me was probably when I was about eight or nine. And it was actually in a book that was a school edition of short stories, extracts from poems, worthy things like Paradise Lost and you know all sorts of really uh, classic literature and poetry and so forth and prose. And in amongst all this lot was a short story by a guy called W.W. Jacobs. And the story was the legendary The Monkey's Ball. And I don't know if you've read The Monkey's Ball. It's, I think it's that popular these days. But I know the story. I do know the story. I know, know more, more from the movies than the, than the books. But Right. Well, no, there's it's, a film it's a, it's a good story. Yeah, there's a film called The Monkey's Paw, which has got absolutely nothing to do with the story, uh, the short story. But uh, I'm not sure if there was a proper film made of The Monkey, the, the Monkey's Paw that I'm talking about. But anyway, um, this is this is basically where there's this withered monkey's paw and it will grant three wishes. And the, the story is actually set back in uh, just after the, or just during or just after the First World War. And this mother is very distraught because her son has been killed and she wishes for him to return. So, and unfortunately, you know, she she holds this monkey's paw and she's wishing for the little the, the, the son to return. Um, mm. Nothing actually happens. You see, the thing is with the monkey's paw that in that story, there's, there's nothing actually horrific that happens, but it's all the way the writer skillfully manipulates your mind and your imagination. And right at the very end, there's a knock at the door. And you just know what's on the other side of it is not going to be good. So I had sleepless nights over this. Why they included it in a, in a book for kids of about eight or nine years old? I don't know. It's quite cool with all of them, really, <laughs> considering. Um, but, I mean, these days, I don't think, don't think it'd be allowed. But... Um, that's what really got me so I found this delicious thrill of being scared and after that I just wanted to read more and more scary stories and I was reading Tales of Mystery and Imagination and 
there was stories by M.R. James and Sheridan Le Fanu, and if I, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce his name either, and all sorts of lovely people, <laughs> Edgar Allan Poe, you name it, and of course the, the wonderful The Picture of Dorian Gray um, by uh, Oscar Wilde is one and only novel. And that's really what that's got me into classic. loving horror. And what I, what I love to read, yeah. I love to write. <laughs> No, I mean, there's some classic ones there. I mean, again, Mon- Monkey's Paw, showing my age. I know it more from The Simpsons, but, you know. Oh, God. <laughs> that, just, that, just that just shows my age. But, um, I'll maybe show but my no, age. I've mean, never actually uh, watched The Simpsons. <laughs> 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 oh, it's my media brain. That's all mine is. So your first novel, that was Pendle Curse, am I correct? Um, it was one of my first anyway. Uh, Saving Grace Divine, I think, came out before the Pendle Curse, but um, yeah, the Pendle Curse was certainly was about eight years ago now, something like that. Because a lot of your writing, it's a lot of ghost story kind of ones, really. Or what? What kind of what kind of stories do you tend to try and stick to when you're doing writing? Do you kind of do a mixture of different genres, or do you tend to stick to more like the supernatural kind of possession kind of ones, or? Yeah, I mean, I do sort of explore a, a, a few different paths, if you like, within a within a, a section of horror. Um, I, I'm not good. I, I don't like writing slash gore horror. That's not to say that there aren't some nasty or bloody scenes in some of my books, because there are. Um, Pendle Cursor is, for example, and also uh, Haunting of Henderson Close. And, and, and you know, there are, I'll write it where it's necessary, but I'm not really a monster type of slash gore type horror writer i tend to be more the ghostly the creepy what's going on in the shadows there's something there but i can't see it but i know it's there there's a haunted house there's the sort of shirley jackson type of stuff going on you know that that's really more my kind of thing and if, if i can scare myself then i'm usually pretty happy with what i've written <laughs> That's the important thing. <laughs> no, I mean, I've, I've kind of been brought up with the supernatural kind of ghost story kind of stuff myself. Mm-hmm. Um, my mum was a huge kind of ghost story kind of uh, kind of a person. Um, right. So definitely is the type of thing I, would, I definitely would like to jump into. But let's jump into your first book choice. Because as, as we always do on, on this podcast, we try and uh, get all our guests to bring free books along that they absolutely yep. love to share it. So what is your first choice? Well, the first one is, is one that not a lot of people seem to have heard of, which is an awful shame. And it's by a Scottish writer called Martin Miller. And uh, it's called The Good Fairies of New York. And don't be, be don't be put off by the title. This is not about sparkly little fairies. In fact, if I, if I read the first paragraph of that book, I love books that have got great hooks at the beginning and also great endings. But I just love the beginning of this story, and it's, I'll just read it, it's very short. So, Dinny, an overweight enemy of humanity, was the worst violinist in New York, but was practising gamely when two cute little fairies stumbled through his fourth-floor window and vomited on his carpet. (laughs) Now, how could you not carry on reading? (laughs) That is a a good hook, actually. (laughs) You've got to find out what happens next, haven't you? Martin Miller oh, writes writes the most twisted fantasy you could ever imagine. I mean, he's, he, one of his big fans is Neil Gaiman. And uh, there's a lovely quote that Neil Gaiman has about Martin Miller. And he says, Miller writes like Kurt Vonnegut might have written if he'd been born 50 years later in a different country and hung around with entirely the wrong sort of people. 
that really <laughs> sums up Martin Miller. <laughs> this story of the good fairies of New York, you've got these two fairies, Morag and Heather. They're Scottish fairies. They've been very, very naughty. I mean, really, really bad fairies. And they've been thrown out. They've escaped from, from certain justice, fairy justice in, in Scotland. They managed to get themselves over to New York. And all the fairies in New York, there's, there's different castes, different groups of fairies. You've got the Italian fairies. You've got the black fairies. You've got all sorts of different communities, all living quite harmoniously, separately, together, but together. Mm-hmm. And along come Morag and Heather. And wreak absolute havoc with all of them and cause a complete all-out fairy war. And in the middle of this is one of the few humans who can actually see them. That's Dinny. One of the fairies decides that she's going to change his life for him and get him together with a woman he adores, who's a girl called Kerry who lives in the apartment opposite, who has her health challenges. And Morag is, has decided that she's the fairy that's going to sort things out for Kerry. And between them, they just make a bad situation ten times worse. And it is hilarious. <laughs> so, <laughs> just a lot of fun from beginning to end. And in that, you've got um, the ghosts of... Johnny Thunders, the, the New York Dolls guitarist, and Martin Miller's a great music fan, so you'll always find music references in his books. Um, you, you know, you've got all sorts going. Johnny Thunders is looking for his missing guitar that was stolen from him when he was alive, and, and he gets involved, and the New York Dolls music is going on, the Ramones is going on. There's all sorts of stuff going on in this book, and it just is such a laugh. And we think we might be living in a crazy world, and I think one of the things I love about Martin Miller's books is he shows you just how crazy things really could be if you've been living in another country and hanging out with entirely the wrong sort of people. (laughs) And and just check out Martin Miller's books because they really are. Good Fairies of New York is the first one of his I ever read. It's not the first one he wrote, but it's the first one of his I I ever read. It got me hooked. And since then, I've gone through um, books of his with titles like Susie Led Zeppelin and Me, uh, Milk, Sulfate and Albi Starvation, another one called Ruby and the Stone Age Diet, another one called Lux and Albi Sign On and Save the Universe. You've got the Goddess of Buttercups and Daisies. They've all got the most wonderful way out titles. And then there's a wonderful trilogy um, about a, a, a werewolf girl called Calyx, and you can't miss that either. She is just crazy, absolutely, totally stone crazy. And she's stoned half the time anyway. So... <laughs> Martin Miller, folks, do yourselves a favour in these in these times that we're living in, and just chill out to the fantasy world of Martin Miller. <laughs> definitely want to catch you. That's definitely want to catch. I'll definitely add it to my list of uh, yeah many it, books. Yeah, fabulous. <laughs> so, what got you into wanting to write yourself? I, I've been asked that question. Obviously, I'm asked that question a lot, and. It's, there's no easy answer because I don't remember a time when I wasn't writing, apart from when I couldn't write anyway. So somebody, I have a vague early memory of mum handing me a pencil and a, a sort of a, a line notepad of some kind and me filling it with all these scribbles and then, because I couldn't write and I couldn't read it, so I was only about three, and taking it to her and saying, look, mummy, I've written a book. <laughs> it was just filled with all these meaningless scribbles. So, but as soon as I could learn to to read and to write, I've always wanted to write stories. And as soon as I read The Monkey's Paw, I wanted to write scary stories. So I've been writing 
in one shape or form since I was a young child. Um, getting published, of course, that's a different matter altogether. That came it much is, later. It is, it is <laughs> very hard later. to get published nowadays. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It's very hard to find a publisher. I mean, it's very hard to find an agent. And um, okay. I think these days it's harder to find an agent than a publisher, actually. So, But there we are. Yeah, that came much later. So you had Pendle Curse, uh, Lyndon Manor, uh, Saving Grace Divine. Um, then you went on to do, I don't know, I, my, my timelines on these aren't, aren't, probably aren't going to be no, very don't good. Worry. <laughs> but, um, don't worry. <laughs> you, had Nemesis, you had Nemesis of the Gods, which is a bit mm. more um, kind of Egypt, with a more Egyptian yeah. mythology kind of style, I would assume. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's archaeology. The, the central character, it's a trilogy, because I was asked to do a trilogy. Um, originally it was a one-off and uh, it was called Wrath of the Ancients which is actually the first one now of that trilogy but Kensington wanted um, a series and um, the central character running through all three books is an archaeologist called Emmerich Quintilus and Quintilus is what well, to say is evil is putting it mildly depending on where you are in the trilogy uh, depends on whether he's actually alive or undead so um, he's, he's obsessed with Cleopatra He's obsessed with um, reincarnating her. He's actually found the tomb of Cleopatra, which nobody has up to this point. Uh, they think they know where it is, but they haven't quite got there yet. And uh, so <laughs> the Quintilus found it. He found the tomb. He found Cleopatra and then set about reincarnating her. And that is when nothing good happened. And uh, that's kind of an underlying theme through the three books. But yes, it takes place, the action... Depending on which book you're on, takes place in uh, Egypt in the present, well, not the present day, but like in the late 19th century, early 20th century, and in Vienna at a similar time, and also parts of it in, in London and, and Oxford University as well. So, um, yeah, different different themes, but uh, the central quest is Quintilus and his uh, obsession with Cleopatra. Was this something like you were kind of interested in? As well, come more like the archaeology. Yeah, again, that completely missed that word up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not the easiest of words to get your teeth around, actually. Archaeology. <laughs> yeah, I am. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a simple answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm very interested. I've always been interested in archaeology and uh, Egyptology, particularly. And mm. I was fortunate enough, or oh, 20 years ago now, to have a holiday in Egypt and um, visited a lot of the tombs, went to the Valley of the Kings, Valley of the Queens, the Temple of Ke uh, Queen Hatshepsut, and just lots and lots of places uh, along the Nile. And, and it was absolutely incredible um, just, just seeing all the, these amazing tombs and the architecture and, and just hearing the stories. And it was just absolutely incredible. So, you know, you have to. You have to. I, I challenge anybody who can write or wants to write anything. If you go to Egypt and you see these, you end up, you've got to write a story about it. The stories are lying around the way the stones are, you know. Mm. <laughs> it's incredible <laughs> where the relics are. Just absolutely fascinating. Let's segue into a second choice then. Uh -huh. So we've obviously got an, some naughty fairies on one side, but what was your, what, what's your middle choice? Well, the middle choice is completely different, and it's the inspiration, actually, for my book, The Garden of Bewitchment, and it's Wuthering Heights, Emily Bronte, of course. Um, now, 
I mean, what can you say about Wuthering Heights that hasn't already been said? And immediately these days, and for the past 30-odd years, the minute you say, you say Wuthering Heights, you, you sort of see Kate Bush uh, flying over the... Well, not flying so much, almost flying. Um, you know, we're calling out for Heathcliff. But um, I actually grew up on the moors not far from Haworth. I, 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 was, I grew up in a town called Halifax, um, New Yorkshire, mm. and that's a stone's throw from Haworth, or perhaps rather a long stone's throw, but anyway, it is, it's not far away. Same kind of moorland, same kind of countryside. I'm familiar with that that amazing majest- ma- majesty, the majestic atmosphere of the Pennines, being on those moors, hearing the wind whistling, the curlews calling, all of the stuff, all of the atmosphere... Emily Bronte really knew how to write atmosphere. And when you consider the sheltered lives she and her sisters had, it's extraordinary the, the, the stories that they actually did produce. And Wuthering Heights is a very dark, very gothic story, and I love to inject the gothic wherever possible in, into my stories. I'm noted, that's one of the things I've noted for is, is writing gothic horror. Mm. Um, and it just, I always knew I was going to write a Howarth come Bronte-inspired story. And Wuthering Heights has been something I first read when I was probably about, again, about eight or nine. So I said, yeah, I read a lot of good stuff when I was eight or nine. And um, <laughs> it's a story I keep co- coming back to. I've read again and again and again and again over the years. And I never get tired of it. It always seems fresh and new. Um, and, and just the the incredible story of the, this dark and sinister Heathcliff uh, and the the wayward, well, more than slightly dippy Catherine, just oh, just inspirational on every works on every level. If you want it to be a, a romantic love story, it can be. It's a very dark one. If you want it to be a gothic with horror in there, it's there. It's very definitely there. And there's all this wonderful stuff going on, and, and overriding all of it, the atmosphere of those moors. It gets me every time. The Moors and all the history of the Moors as well, which is uh, oh. it's very fitting. Yeah, and especially it's if you, especially if they're in a rainstorm, it's, it's almost always windy. It's pretty much almost always raining as well. And if you're there when it when the wind and the rain are really going at it, it's eerie. You get mm. <laughs> it's easy to get frostbite. <laughs> you get cold. You get wet. And but it's the most exhilarating experience. The clouds, especially if there's sort of this gunmetal grey, sort of roiling and broiling across the sky and you just feel that you're just one tiny little piece of humanity in the midst of this incredible landscape even in a country as small as ours you know it's just just a, oh, unbelievable and you get this atmosphere in Wuthering Heights plus Yorkshire beautiful <laughs> mm, love it <laughs> Oh, trust me, I would move to Yorkshire if I could. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, <laughs> it is a beautiful, beautiful part of the world. I mean, I know, I know I'm biased to grow up there, but, you know, it is a beautiful part of the world. <laughs> oh, definitely, definitely. <laughs> but reading Wuthering Heights is the second best thing. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, guys, it's Mark here from the Snakebite Horrorcast, snakebitehorror.com, and Buddy Goodreads. Really hope you enjoyed the episode today. I'd bring your attention to a brand new supporter of the podcast. Uh, they are Abominable Books. Uh, it's UK's best horror and thriller fiction book subscription service. They bring the world of horror and thrillers to your door every month for two brilliant prices. It's all the magic of a haunted bookshop summer straight to your door each month. Basically gives you a brand new horror or thriller title, a luxury snack made here in the UK, a mystery 
second-hand book, possibly haunted book. And you also get one of our death featured magazines like Black Static, Ghastlies and Hellbore, bookmarks, drinks, some surprises or two. It's such a great subscription box and they are an amazing set of guys. So head over to abominablebookclub.cratejoy.com. There's even two different tiers of subscriptions you can go for in here. So head on over to either get a full guts or a bare bones edition of the box. Let us know what you think of the box and give those guys a support. Get back to the show. So where did you go after Nemesis of the Gods? Where was kind of you wanting to go more with your writing that side? Did you, did you want to stick with the more gothic horror? Because you went for, is it Second Wife was the next book in? or That was a novella. Yeah, that was a novella I wrote yeah. um, some years ago now. And that was a gothic, definitely a gothic horror. And mm. I think that was one of the first times somebody actually called me a gothic horror writer. I think the very first time was um, a story called Miss Abigail's Room, which was the one that came out immediately before The Second Wife. And um, so I thought, oh, I'll take that. I like that. Yeah, I can live with being called a gothic <laughs> horror writer. Thank you. <laughs> because I do enjoy reading that and I like writing I mean, gothic horror is, 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 I mean, you're going for more kind of the supernatural side of it. Gothic horror is mm. a perfect choice to go for when it comes oh, to that yeah. kind of thing. You see oh, yeah, less in the way of kind of modern, see less modern kind of ghost stories that work considered, compared to, like, in book form. I think book form, gothic horror works very well. I mean, you get more kind of the modern take in movies nowadays. But, mm. um, like, Women in Black is a brilliant book. Yeah, absolutely British book. Love Women in Black. Just British gothic horror as well, because Britain's got so much history of like ghost stories and just general feeling of haunted houses. And you, you think haunted houses, you think Britain. That's why I think anyway. I mean, I live Essex way, so I'm more like Wardy Rectory, that kind of thing. Oh yeah. We got all that kind of stuff down this way. Um, but no, I, I I love a bit of um, gothic horror personally. Yeah, but, you know. I think, yeah. I mean, I think we've got a we've got a lot of very old houses <laughs> in this country, and um, I think, um, yeah, the, the houses themselves, the particular architecture of the, the late Victorian, particularly the late mid to late Victorian, the Gothic Revival architecture, just absolutely lends itself to ghosts in every corner. I mean, you can you've only got to look at some buildings, you think that is going to be seriously haunted. You just know it is. And if it isn't, I can make it seriously haunted. <laughs> <laughs> no problem at all. Hence Linden Manor. I mean that was that was a, an easy um an, an easy house, if you like, to to put ghosts into. No two ways about it. <laughs> oh Susan Hill, I'm talking about her of the woman in black. Um I mean I, I love her stuff. Um, absolutely love love her work and um I haven't read her detective stories. I know she, she also, she's also a crime writer. She is, is a perfect example of somebody who will not be tied down to one particular genre. She turns up in every genre you can almost, almost every genre you can imagine. And uh, she feels like she wants to she write a book about horror. country kitchen garden. She'll go and write one. She, yeah. <laughs> she wants to write a horror, she'll write one. Yeah. And that's the good thing about being, being a writer. You can explore different, different avenues, which is, which is nice. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, whatever you feel like doing, and, and all credit to and all kudos to Susan Hill. I think she's whatever she turns her hand to, she really does know what she's doing. She's very talented. She's yeah. very, very talented. Absolutely. 
let's let's uh, let's move into your third choice. Let's just go straight 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 to the third choice and see uh, what you've brought to the table for this one. Right. Well, this one is what I sometimes call the the unexpected Shirley Jackson. But Shirley Jackson, when we think of her, we we tend to think of the haunting of Hill House and the and talking about the films. There's been about three different versions of uh, of films based. Oh, there's so many. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And then, of course, there was last year's, obviously, the series um, that was inspired by rather than, than based on, on the, on the Haunting yeah. of Hill House. But this one of Shirley Jackson's is actually her last novel that she that she wrote, and it's called We Have Always Lived in the Castle. And mm-hmm. I actually think this is creepier. I think it's scarier. Again, it's got a fabulous opening. Uh, which just draws you in and just won't let you go. And again, if 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 you did, I'll, I'll just read the opening paragraph because it really does. Um, yeah, it, it sets you up for, for where the story is going to go. Uh, so the first paragraph: My name is Mary Catherine Blackwood. I am 18 years old, and I live with my sister Constance. I have often thought that with any luck at all, I could have been born a werewolf, because the two middle fingers on both my hands are the same length but I have had to be content with what I had. I dislike washing myself and dogs and noise. I like my sister Constance and Richard Plantagenet and Amanita Phalloides, the death cat mushroom. Everyone else in my family is dead. And that's the end of your first paragraph. And you're thinking, hang on a minute, what's going on here? (laughs) Who was this girl? What's wrong with it? There's obviously something not right with it. You can tell. It's what a collection of things to. Is that hook again? Yeah. Is that hook? <laughs> you've got to. You've got to read on what is going on. And of course, before long, we discover we very quickly because it's a very short novel. We quickly discover there's an awful lot going on there. There's a uh, there's murders. There's personality disorders. There's there's an uncle with uh, uh, dementia. There's a there's a, a village with with some really nasty, mean spirited people, and it's just incredible it's full of these dysfunctional characters none of whom are particularly pleasant if i'm honest i didn't like any of them particularly but you don't you're not meant to you're not meant to like them at all you can end up feeling sorry for some of them but you're certainly not necessarily meant to like them one character i did love in that though is the cat jomas the black cat mind you even he's Mm -hmm. got personality disorders as well (laughs) 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 this is (laughs) i love cats um but no this this is a story that is it's all about secrets, it's all about lies, things that are never spoken about, things that a dysfunctional family hides um, and ne- ne- never comes out of the closet, but then, of course, everything does in the end. Um, so it, it, it's just definitely handled. I think she was at the absolute height of her powers, and, of course, she was only young. Um, she died tra- tragically young. I think she was only in her 40s because um, she, she wasn't a well woman at all. But it's... Um, it's a it's a really powerful book. So if you've only ever read, uh, I say this to anybody, if you've only ever read The Haunting Hill House by Shirley Jackson, you're missing a lot because certainly we've always lived in the castle. Should be next on your TBR list. It's a fabulous short, very very short novel, fabulous story, very scary, very creepy, and in my opinion, far better crafted than The Haunting of Hill House. Now go out and read that one. At the later book as well, you would. It was, she's had more time to kind of hone her craft as well, and know yeah. where she wants to go. With. Yeah, I, th- I think um, she had. Like, she she'd really got into the into 
her uh, craft and and her way of doing things. And I think this is something probably most of us do. I know I certainly did. I mean, the, the books I write now, I'm much happier with them than the ones I wrote that never got published and still sit in a drawer. <laughs> Um, and that should be the case. If it was the other way around, there really would be something wrong. But you know, it's um, it, it it is all about it's a learning curve all the time when you're writing to 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 make sure that the next book you write is you build on what you've done so far, but you 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 go one one step further and make it better in some way or another. Tweak it, tweak your craft in, in one little way or. One little detail here and there, just to just say for, for your readers to say, "Oh yeah, I like that latest one, um, even better than the previous one." You know, that's what. If people can say that, then I'm really happy. Yeah. <laughs> no, of course, I do want them to love all my books. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Talking about um, current work, you yeah. just had a new book come out, if I remember rightly. It's Malin Witch. Yeah, the Malin Witch is um, again. It's a short. It's a novella, a short novel. And um, that one is set. Well, it's I wouldn't say it's Cornwall, but it's Cornwallish um, because it's mm. obviously that kind of. If anybody knows anything about Cornwall, will recognise. Hopefully, recognise anyway. The coastline, the the rocky, crashing waves and the cliffs and everything else. It, um, I suppose it could be other places as well, but it certainly says Cornwall to me. And it's it's all about a, a woman who's lost her husband, Robin. Her name is. And she rents, or she doesn't rent, she goes to stay in her sister's holiday cottage, which is quite remote, um, about eight eight miles or so away from the nearest village. And they've bought this very old cottage, which was derelict. They renovated it, and she's staying there for the summer to rest and to recuperate. At least that's the plan. But, of course, this is a horror story. So, as you might imagine, things do not go according to plan. The problem is that when her sister was renovating, she inadvertently destroyed um, what they call a poppet, a little doll which had been placed there three, four hundred years ago to keep two witches at bay, and two very evil witches at bay, both of whom had been burned for their heresies, and um, but who used to live in that particular cottage. And, uh, of course, now one of the puppets has been destroyed. That means one of those two witches has been released. And she is full of vengeance and she is determined to release her sister. So she wants to find the missing poppet. And Robin is in her way. I rest my case. Really <laughs> and that's really what's going on. It's on my list of next ones to read, actually. So <laughs> um, I, I do like the storyline of this one. So I'm, I'm quite looking forward to reading this one. Oh, I do like a nice, nice, uh, nice, nice novella. You know, good. With, with, with the lack that. of time I've got to read, I do like a novella. <laughs> right. Well, this is this is about 130 pages, something like that. I think it might be a bit less than that, actually, about 34,000 words, something like that. So it's a, it's a fairly pretty quick read. People are telling me it's a pretty quick read anyway. I mean, I know I can read it quickly, but then I should, <laughs> should be able to. And I, highly, and I highly recommend everybody go out and uh, and download the book or buy the book would be better <laughs> but yeah definitely <laughs> go out and buy the book um, yeah that'd be lovely <laughs> get it on kindle as well so you can get kindle or one book <laughs> yes you can get it on kindle uh, you can get it on kindle from amazon yes uh, sorry i hate to mention but yes my amazon yeah <laughs> you can get it from there oh, definitely. Uh, it's also available in paperback as well um, so language. what are you working on next what's your next project 
Right, well, the uh, the next book I have coming out is, uh, that's all now been put to bed, but it's all ready to come out in January, and that's coming out from Flame Tree Press, uh, who publish my novels at the moment, and, and the that's called In Darkness, Shadows Breathe, and that is two women who don't know each other, Carol and Nessa, and it's their individual stories. They don't know each other, but circumstances are going to bring them together, and it's kind of, it is a time slip, but it's a time bend as well, because in fact, um, one of them has a serious operation. She she goes through a cancer operation and she is in hospital and uh, in a not too far away from there um, is another building which houses luxury flats. And the other girl, Carol, the other woman, Carol, is temporarily living in that in a luxury flat there. Um, these women couldn't be more unlike each other. They say they don't know each other. But the, the whole story centres really on the complex that they're living in because that hospital and those apartments a hundred years or so ago used to be a workhouse, asylum, hospital, orphanage, typical of, of the time, actually. And, of course, demolished and then rebuilt using some of the same materials. And the only problem is there's an awful lot of evil that's stored in that building and in the bricks and the mortar that have been reused. And there are portals that take them from one time's frame to another. And there's evil going on there, which is um, coming to to get both of them, really. Um, and there's a poem that's uh, called In Darkness Shadows Breathe by somebody called Lydia Warren Carmody. And they can't understand each of them in their separate ways. They do not understand why it is and what the relevance of this poem is, why it is that it keeps on haunting them. And so it's really the, the unravelling of both these women, of the, of the way that they come together and of the horror and the evil that is gradually revealed as having been part of this building that now has different functions to, to what it originally had. So that's the scary tale coming out in January. And... Um, and so <laughs> So that, that'll be available <laughs> from Flame Tree Press in every possible format available. <laughs> so I understand. <laughs> that's always good. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's the latest. Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Again, um, thank you for, for coming and joining us. Um, it's been really lovely chatting to you. Um, oh, it's been lovely. Thank you very much. Love your choices of books as well, which are, uh, you know, what we love on this podcast. We do love to buyer people to go out and read brand new books they might not have actually thought about reading before so and where can people catch you on social media if you like to you You can find me all (laughs) some people don't yeah (laughs) i I love interacting with people i can be found in most of the usual places i have my own website which is katherinecavendish.com and um that's a a blog as well and i'm also on facebook as katherine cavendish i'm on twitter as cat cavendish I'm on Instagram as Cat Cavendish. I'm on even something called MeWe, <laughs> which sounds a little strange, but there we are, MeWe. Um, <laughs> M-E-W-E, if you've come across that one. I'm there as well, Catherine Cavendish. So, yeah, I'm sort of more or less everywhere, really, in Amazon page and all the usual stuff, and on my publisher's pages as well. And my publishers are Flame Tree Press, uh, Silver Shamrock, and Crossroad Press, and Kensington Lyrical as well. 
So there you go. That's me. <laughs> and thank you very much for inviting me today, Mark, as well. Thank you. It's no, been no. Great talking no. to you. It's, uh, it's been lovely talking to you too. You can also, on my social media side, you can catch me over at Snakebite Horror, my personal account. Uh, you can also talk to us over on the Bloody Good Reads Twitter page as well, which is at Bloody Good Reads. Um, you can catch me every fortnight as well on the Snakebite Horrorcast. We have had a slight little break recently. Um, the quiz episode will be up by the time this one is up, and we'll be releasing a brand new episode of that slightly after as well. So you can catch there, me, Nan, and Marcus on there every fortnight. And coming back up soon, we have got the continuation of our Child's Play series on the uh, Franchise Players podcast. Uh, so me and Chloe will be going through Brighter Chucky onwards, coming up here. We have some great guests on the podcast as well. We've got Russ Bailey coming back. We've also got James Rodriguez, uh, one of our reviewers here at Snake by Horror, joining us to talk about uh, Cedar Chucky. And uh, hopefully uh, we can announce some more guests on that podcast again soon as well. And yes, so again, thank you for listening to the podcast. Uh, as always, I have been your host, Mark Goddard, and I will see you next time.